And this is where the work of the mental fitness comes in because that ticker tape is fierce. It's fierce for those in pain. It's fierce for a lot of us in our life, but trying to work through and get that ticker tape to calm and get shifted more to that right side, then this opens up the opportunities for everything else to fall in place as well. Midlife ladies. This is the Dear Midlife Podcast. Unapologetic girl talk that will help you remember who you are and figure out who in the hell you want to become. I'm Shelby Bybee, karaoke party queen, single mom, and an extrovert to a fault. And I'm Trinity Greenfield, a wild-haired woman full of sass, sparkle, and a heavy dose of black girl magic. So grab a glass and let's dive into the messy middle. So we've heard of physical fitness, and we've heard of physical therapy, but have you ever heard of mental fitness? You may believe that mental fitness is about getting your brain in shape. Is there a way I can lift mental weights or maybe do brain squats or bench press your beliefs? Can you picture like a little sweatband around your brain as it strains itself while doing mental jumping jacks? It may be a fun image to consider, but that's not exactly what we're talking about here. Mental fitness is an exercise that our guest today, Jen Usheld, uses to shift our brains from the ruminating negative side, which she calls the saboteurs that live in our brains, to the positive, creative, problem-solving side, which she calls our sage powers. Early in her career, Jen was drawn to helping others by empowering them to help themselves. As a physical therapist, she was drawn to the idea of not only health coaching, but pain science and neuroscience education. This girl is like no joke. Today, she weaves together these complementary disciplines within the practice of mental fitness, which uses the power of PQ exercises and preparation choice repetition techniques to quiet the thoughts that can sabotage or hijack your thinking and instead helps her clients draw on their sage powers to navigate the challenges of life. Jen has been using these techniques to help people who've been living with chronic pain. However, she found that when she combined techniques associated with physical therapy, pain, neuroscience education, and wellness coaching, that these combined work in so many walks of life. And now she focuses on using these techniques with women who are going through divorce or making big life transitions. And using this app, driven program, she can help guide you as well. And now she's willing to give our Dear Midlife listeners a 20% discount off her program. So if any of you out there need support, you can claim your discount with the checkout code DEARMIDLIFE20. And if you're struggling with navigating some of the challenges of life or making these big life transitions, you are not alone. I mean, we're all right there with you. I, you know, I know that Trinity and I have struggled with our own big life transitions, and we want you to know that you don't have to go it alone. So if you are really enjoying this podcast and want some support and community, go find us on Facebook at Dear Midlife or follow us on Instagram, and we'll link those links in the show notes. Make sure you connect with us, and we've got your back, girl. 
Without further ado, let's dive into those mental fitness exercises with our guest today, Jen Ushold. Jen, thank you so much for being here. Hi, Jen. Hello. We're excited to have you, and I really want to dive into the strategies that you use to empower those clients that you support in this shift from this survival mode to a thrival mode. And one of the things that you talk about is this idea of mental fitness. Mm -hmm. So let's start there with what is your definition of mental fitness and how do we, how do we get our brains in shape? (laughs) All right. Well, I love mental fitness. I do a lot of fun things and that's my newest. Um, It's Positive, positive intelligence is the group, and Shirzad Shamin is the author of the Positive mm. Intelligence book. And then it just evolved into this term mental fitness. Most of us latch on and understand the importance of physical fitness, but yeah. then we kind of overlook the importance of mental fitness. And mental fitness in a phrase is getting through life with ease and flow. Mm. This idea of being able to overcome challenges and handle stressors without crumbling, without going into full-blown anxiety or depression or rage or whatever it might be. And it seems impossible, but it's really not. And that's the coolest part is that people can say, well, I've been like this my whole life, or I've been like this for 10 years. We always have the ability to create changes. And this is part of my work in pain science is that neuroplasticity We used to think the brain was done at a certain age. It's never done. We can continue to make changes and we can create new pathways where we are choosing paths of ease, innovation, creativity, Mm. laser focused action, whatever it is. So mental fitness is super exciting. It has been life-changing for me and I already do a lot of fun things, but the ability to integrate the mental fitness has really taken me to a newer level. And another big passion of mine is pain science and helping people who have chronic pain. And Mm. so the blend of mental fitness and chronic pain is absolutely beautiful. And so when people can own the ability to choose what's going to work for them, whether it's chronic pain or becoming mentally fit, this is how they get stuck and out of the muck and moving on to whatever is next for them. And it's Mm. not about the strategies per se. Um, There are so many options. However, it really comes down to the individual. So my job is to um, give them knowledge, help them understand, and then what they choose to do is what is best for them and based on their experience and how they know themselves. And then it comes down to repetition. We don't get good at anything without doing lots and lots of reps. So that's okay. a little summary of mental fitness. So, so here's like where I know I find myself. I can talk about the mental side. I can talk about the chronic pain side. I'm sure they're both related, right? So chronic pain aside, because like literally at this age, I wake up every day with like, huh, that's a new pain. Where'd you come from? So strange. I did not know that there was even a body part there that is now suddenly in pain. But also I'm so curious about this mental fitness when it comes to kind of the attitude that we begin to embrace at this stage and age of our lives where I can just tell you dead, honestly, my like give a fucktitude persona is out the window at this stage. Like I literally could care less about what anyone else does, thinks, 
they say things to me now. I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't care what you do. And it just, it doesn't feel good. And I'm like, is this something that can be worked on, worked through with some mental fitness? Is it because of my hormones? Is it because I've just now literally been around the block so many damn times that, you know, I just am like, whatever to it all. Help me, help me, Jen. All right. I'm going to ask you a question that don't give a fucktitude, which I kind of like and might adopt. Um, What's feeling associated with that? Mm. Uh, The feeling. So there is this certain degree of like, I don't want to call it apathy, but it's like, you know, I just, I could care less. I could literally care less about you, your bad decisions that I know you're about to make. I've been a chronic fixer my entire life. So my like give a fucktitude was I was going to give a fuck about you and your family and the things that you do and your choices and decisions and all of the things I was going to fix it and make it happen. You were going to be great. And life is going to be rosy for all. And now I'm like, literally, I don't even I can't even muster up the voice to tell you that there's a cliff in front of you that you're about to walk off of. Go ahead. Have at it. It's not all my right. not my fault that you're not doing it. If I give you advice and you don't follow it. Fantastic. Oh, so sorry. They got hit by a car. Well, guess who told them not to cross the street? That was me. Don't give a fuck. So <laughs> I, it's bad. I And I've gotten bad. I'm Would you way out of balance. yourself as an all or nothing type of person? Well, you know, I would say that I would not necessarily have um, described myself that way, but I can say that I have consistently been described that way by others. Mm. Here's what I hear so far. <laughs> it's I hear that you cared so much that it became too much. Yeah. And now you've done the complete opposite and you don't care at all. Yeah, I don't and care so at all. If we want to tie that into the mental fitness framework, very broadly, negative emotions live in the left side of the brain and positive emotions and productivity and creativity are on the right. Mm-hmm. We all have these five sage powers on the right side, and they are empathy, innovation, navigation, exploring, and the ability to activate. Okay. Now, then we have these 10 characters on the left side that really are responsible for all of our negative thoughts, feelings, and emotions, mm-hmm. which took me a long time to really embrace because I was like, oh, no. And then I could find something else to blame. But the more I do this, Every negative emotion, anxiety, stress, anger, rage, whatever it is, I'm like, that is mine. Yeah, those are the homies I've been running with lately. (laughs) That's been my crew. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So your crew right now is really driving hard and fast from the left side. Yeah. And the 10 characters, we all have a judge, a judge of self, a judge of others, and a Mm -hmm. judge of circumstance. We know what judging ourselves is. We know what judging others is. But judging circumstances, it was like, oh, my God, I crashed my car because my tire was low. So now we blame the tire when Mm. it really is what it is. So in addition to the judge, we have I do them alphabetically. Let's see if I remember them. We have the avoider, which Mm. I'm just going to notice. I hear a little bit in the don't give a fucktitude. Yeah, she rages. My avoider rages when your avoider rages. And so avoider, hyper rational controller, hyperachiever, hypervigilant, mm-hmm. pleaser, stickler, restless, and victim. Yeah, and now, I, I quite a few of those. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. I can now, relate. There's with. a way to do a free online assessment to kind of get an idea of where you are. Okay. And then that's a framework to start the mental fitness coaching. Now, here's what's really important is say that your pleaser, which is where people who tend to be fixers and pleasers tend to live a lot. Yeah. You're a voider. Yeah, I know. I'm a recovering <laughs> pleaser. Um, they may be high scores. This is the most important part about mental fitness is that your greatest saboteurs, we call them saboteurs, actually represent your greatest strengths that have gone a little overboard. Mm. So your ability to connect and be empathic with people is such a beautiful strength of yours Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that got overrun by the left side Mm -hmm. and you got fatigued. So then in slips the avoider who's like, hell no, we're now taking care of ourselves. (laughs) And run for the hills. Right. At the expense (laughs) of caring for anyone or anything. Yeah. When we shift over to this right side of the brain and tapping into those powers and those pathways, then you can find this beautiful balance of caring again, connecting, Mm. and at the same time, protecting your boundaries and what's important to you and your family, et cetera. That's exactly what I need to do because I want to care because I know that when I care, I have fun. I live in this creative space. Mm -hmm. It's more freeing. You know, it's like my relationships feel good and easy. And just right now, like everything feels so hard as a result of this mental space that I'm in. And I am, I'm yearning to get back to a place where I'm contributing to my relationships in a really healthy way, but not being taken advantage of or doing all of the work. What would you think about going through a two minute experience of, we call them PQ reps. It's one of the strategies we have. What would you think about doing it for two minutes? Hey, let's do it. My, our, our, our listeners out there know what a shit show I am. Oh yeah. So they're, <laughs> oh, <stop. laughs> they're ready. We're, we're they're game ready. for whatever. Yeah. Okay. Bring on, Jen. Fun little supportive comment. You are not a shit show. Thank no. You. you have a judge saboteur who is telling you you're a shit show. So we want to try and shut him up a little bit. So let's yeah, try. I'm only a shit show on Tuesdays. Only Tuesdays. <laughs> only Tuesdays. Yeah. All right. So you got six good days. That's pretty rocking. That's good. <laughs> All right. So if you're comfortable, I'd invite you to close your eyes. And if you don't want to, that's also okay. I'm going to close my eyes. And let's start by just settling in and feeling the weight of your body on your seat or your chair. Feel the weight and the contact of your back. Feel the weight of your legs and your feet on the floor. If you have an emotion or a thought, come back to the physical sensation of the weight of your feet on the floor. In your environment, we're gonna do some hearing PQs. What is the furthest away sound that you can hear? Cars in the distance. All right. And now tune into the closest sound that you can hear. Slight hum from my computer. Now see if you can hear your own 
breathing. Mm -hmm. Rub two hands together and see what sounds you can hear when you rub your hands together. And again, if a thought or an emotion comes up, come back to the hearing between your hands. Mm -hmm. And now take two fingers and rub them together so lightly and with such intention that you can feel the fingertip ridges on each finger. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes. Mm. Hey. So the super cool thing is if I was rich and owned my own fMRI scanner, which is a real-time scan of the brain and what's happening, we would have seen in all three of us that left side activation, calm, and the right side, fire up a little bit more. Quiet. Mm -hmm the saboteurs, and wake up the sage. This is what I need to do to invite my new crew back into the party. Yeah, exactly. And so that's what it's all about. It's, all good. it's, it's about quieting the saboteurs and then finding a way then to, to Trinity's point, invite back to the party those, I, what, are, what do you call the right, is it the, the right side of the brain? Five sage powers. The sage, mm. the five sage powers. And so it's about quieting the saboteurs and bringing back into play those sage powers. And these are one of the things that we can do to do that and to to quiet the saboteurs. Yeah, we use these PQ reps throughout the day. Um, it's like we need to do a little bit often so that we can get that permanent change. And this is so similar to pain. I have to bring in pain because there's so many crosswords is that when people have had long, long, long standing pain, they'll Mm -hmm. sometimes, and they'll go out and do an hour of exercise when it may be that they need to start with two minutes of exercise, Mm. two minutes becomes four minutes becomes six minutes. And so this idea of a little bit often works so much better for our nervous systems and The PQ reps represent one part of the framework. And then we also need, we need people to understand what are the saboteurs? How does the brain work? What is sage? And then there's different experiences to interrupt the saboteurs and even prevent them in future occurrences. And then there's different games we play to activate the five different sage powers. So there's a lot of different pieces to it. And once you get the base framework, then you do whatever you want to reach the goals that you have. So it's pretty fun. This sounds really fun. I would love to know a little bit more about if you can give us a brief overview of what are the saboteurs and what does sage power, what are they, what are those and what do they mean? Okay. I can do that for you. We'll start with sage because that's easier. So empathy, the ability to have empathy for ourselves is critically important. And we all think it's not. And I have come through a very difficult divorce and 
I really hated myself. And mm, for yeah. me to even look in the mirror and say, I like you actually brought me to tears because I'm like, no, that's not mm. true. So this ability to have empathy for ourselves is important, as well as empathy for others, which is fascinating because as a PT, people don't always do what I'm thinking, suggesting, et cetera. And so if I were to judge them for that, then that's actually going to create a strain in our relationship versus me to be able to sit back and think, okay, what else is going on in their lives that may be contributing to their difficulty following through? And we like to use children as an example, imagining. So say you're ripping mad at your, I don't know, your your Starbucks barista and you're very angry. And if you can, I said pumpkin spice, not chunky spice, man. (laughs) Exactly. Two and a half pumps, not three. Right. (laughs) Uh, So if you can consider that person as a child and that innocence, that essence, Mm -hmm. it is odd how that actually can help us to be softened in the moment. So that's the empathy power for self and others. The explore power is factual. What do I need to know to get through said conflict or irritation or whatever it is? The innovate power is my favorite. The game is called Yes And. And this Mm. is a sage-driven brainstorming. We have all done brainstorming. And we've also been in meetings or places where one person critiques an idea and that's it. Nobody wants to brainstorm anymore. So this idea of brainstorming is that's only ideas. There's no wrong ideas. And we're Mm -hmm. always starting out by attaching to something we like. Mm -hmm. So if somebody had an idea, I'd say, okay, what I like about that idea is, and what's 10%? Anything somebody tells you, you can agree to 10%. Even if my kid tells me that he thinks he should drink milkshakes all day long, (laughs) I can find 10% of that to agree with him. Theory, right, exactly. You know, it feels cold and good. And so then we build on that. So, and what's the build on? And the super fun part about the yes and game is it can be serious and it can Mm -hmm. be downright ridiculous. My daughter and I were playing once trying to figure out how to get her brother to visit her in Spain. And at one point, one of us is like, he could just take a boat, you know, he could paddle a canoe across (laughs) the ocean. Is he gonna? No. no. But in this pure idea generating yeah. phase, who knows what that might help us come up with? Yes, so and is actually yes, and I don't know if you knew this, Jen. Is it's um an improv comedy uh, principle? It's the first principle of improvisational comedy. And it's ah, yes, and I didn't know yeah. that. You do improv? I do. I was trained at the Second City in Chicago. I've She's done it so for cool. several years. It's so I fun. remember reading that. Yeah. So I have been taking improv. I'm like my 12th or 13th improv class. Oh, cool. I actually have a show Friday night and I have a show Saturday night. Oh, um, so exciting. absolutely. Yes, it is part of the improv world. It's also yeah. a really good part of the coaching world. I love uh, it. Yeah. So I like, I like this little spin on the yes and game. Mm-hmm. And then the navigate power, the two games we play there are fascinated anthropologist, which is just flying forward 50, 100 years. Somebody Mm -hmm. is just reading a journal of your life. What's important? So this person is not judging you. They're just very curious. So what is important about this situation? Removing the emotion and that energy and looking factually. And honestly, most of the stuff we get ticked at our kids about probably doesn't matter 100 Mm -hmm. years. 
So I use that. And then the final, oh, then we also have the elder wiser self. So this is doing some imagery work, just, you know, what, what information can we gain from our elder wiser self? We by design don't say older because we're constantly becoming elder and wiser. And again, what's important? What's, what's, what are we driving towards? And then Mm -hmm. bringing that into today. And then the final power is activate. And this is once you've gotten through some of these other games, now you're ready for calm, clear, laser-focused attention towards mm. whatever it is you're trying to achieve. So that is a quick overview of the SAGE. What questions do you have on those before I go into the saboteurs? No, I love those. I love the SAGE powers because it, it sounds like we can tap into those whenever we need to, when we're facing something that's yes. difficult. Is that what I hear you saying? So when I'm struggling with my children, for example, just take a deep breath and ask myself, is this really that important in a hundred years? <laughs> is it really going to matter what dress she wears to church this weekend? Or is it really going to matter in in the end, whether she does her homework at five tonight or six tonight, as long as it gets done. So I think that's what I hear you saying about the sage powers. You are correct. Those are okay. all really good examples. And as that's parents, great. we have those ad nauseum. <laughs> yes. But it's the other, it's the saboteurs that are like, no, she has to wear the dress I want her to wear to church mm-hmm. this week. No, that's that oh. sounds like the controller. Yes, I know her by name. <laughs> yeah, she's one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is she really? <laughs> nah, sometimes it depends on the circumstance. Mostly with well, my that's kids. that's the fascinating thing. Go. So say controller as your best friend. When we are using the ability to control and navigate circumstances from sage, yes, our brain right. is acting as our best friend. When we are in that place of trying to control our environment, every saboteur has this lie like, oh, if I control what my daughter wears to church, life will be better. Yep. It's really just a lie because what she wears to church, she wears to church. So shifting from that controller saboteur into sage driven controlling situations where it's necessary and important, that's when she will be your friend when it's Mm -hmm. driven from sage. Yeah. So that's the controller. We started there. The avoider, again, the justification lie is if I don't ever deal with anything, things are going to be great. Avoiding, however, eventually it's going to explode in your face. If you avoid conflict, if you avoid doing your homework, if you avoid getting dressed for church with the dress your mom <laughs> wants you to wear, eventually it's going to blow up. So the lie is ignore and it will be okay. The reality is when we don't address things, then they truly become worse and blow up in our face. And what does that look like? Well, sometimes it is better to avoid a situation in the moment that's sage driven, right? You don't want to have a conversation with somebody else who's really riled up. So you may avoid that. And then you come back to it a day or two later. So then you're addressing it versus staying in that avoider mode. Mm -hmm. So that's avoider and controller. Hyperachiever, um, this is the person who gets to and a goal and is like, yeah, great. And then what's the next goal? So they're constantly mm. wanting to get something more and they're never content where they are. And if they're on a team in you know leadership or corporate world, this is a problem because everybody around them knows this is not about the team. This is about helping him or her get to his next achievement. 
which they're not even going to enjoy because they're already halfway to the next one. So that's the hyperachiever. Again, achievement is fabulous. Sage-driven achievement actually gets us to accomplish more because Mm -hmm. we're not stuck in this other place and we have our team working with us rather than against us. Mm. That is hyperachiever. Hyper-rational, this is the person who overthinks everything They are unable to make a decision because they never have enough information. And so the lie is that if I can control life, similar to the controller, then I'll be fine. The reality is when you are so rational and trying to get down to every detail, you end up letting life slip you by. Rational thinking is good. Don't buy a car just because somebody said to do a little bit of research Don't spend a year researching that car because then the new ones are already out. And then hypervigilant. So there's a good little story that goes with hypervigilant. Vigilance is good. I have this a lot with pain clients where they are so hyper aware and hypervigilant to their experience of symptoms. And if you are walking down a dark alley at 3 a.m. and you're in New York City, please be vigilant. Or we could go one step further. Don't go down a dark alley at 3 a.m. Yeah, However, let's start there. <laughs> if you're walking on the sidewalk at 2 p.m. in your very, very safe neighborhood, we don't need that level of vigilance. That actually right. hurts you more than helps you. And the example is if you say you're to guard a village from tigers and you are out there in this hypervigilant mode and everything you see, tiger, tiger, tiger. Well, by the time 3 p.m. comes, you've had so many false alarms you're exhausted, the Mm -hmm. town doesn't believe you, and then the tiger gets through because in your hypervigilance, you actually lost all ability to pay attention versus being aware of your environment. Oh, that sound means rustling leaves. That sound means a squirrel. Oh my gosh. And that sound means a tiger. Let's alert the village. Mm. That's hypervigilance. Then we have pleaser. We talked about the pleaser a little bit. So the pleaser is the fix it. I can always help you. And if you are doing things for other people because you feel like you have to, or you're committed, or you're on the PTA and no one else is going to do it because that's what often happens, is then Mm. that's actually saboteur driven behavior versus I want to make three dozen cupcakes because I love making cupcakes and I really want to support my daughter in this instance. So- The idea with pleasers too is nobody really knows what you need because you never ask for help. And um, I'm a recovering Mm -hmm. pleaser for sure. Mm -hmm. For sure, (laughs) me too. (laughs) Yeah. So that is the pleaser. The stickler, I'm also recovering stickler. The stickler is hyper attention to detail. And Mm. so- um, I've never, ever, ever been in this space. (laughs) Is that a perfectionist? Is that another word for stickler perfectionist? Yeah. Yeah. Hi, yeah. Shelby. Hi, Shelby. It's such a hard story to admit to. And I've only done this in writing. I haven't done it in person. Um, is that there were many things that contributed to the demise in the marriage. We'll just leave it at that. However, if I would go away and I would come back and the house was a mess, I would get so angry. I'm like, why mm. can't you put stuff away? Blah, 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 blah. And then as I learned about this process, I was like, you know what? I could have acknowledged the 80% of the cleanup they did. Mm. And then maybe the next day say, Hey, by the way, could you have done this? Or could you have done that? So all I really did 
was make a very tense situation because my stickler had stupid expectations. So mm. that's the stickler. So yeah, that was a little hard to admit to. Um, and then we have the restless. So the restless is the classic FOMO, fear of missing out. I think mm. that everybody who experiences FOMO knows what the restless is like. Oh, and yeah. there's actually some suspicion that it's tied to, not tied to, but think about iPhones. Um, yeah. We have less kids getting their driver's license since the iPhone. We have more mental health issues. We have, mm. uh, there's actually research. We have less of an attention span than a goldfish, which is pathetic. What? Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. We used to have a longer attention span, but we no longer do. So this constant like ping pong battle right. of where are we going to have our attention? That is the restless. So mm. this idea of FOMO, fear of missing out. Yeah. Well, actually, when you function in the restless saboteur, you're missing everything because you're not present for anything. Yeah. Well, wow. that is restless. Then I think we only have one more, the victim. Hmm. Okay. So the victim is the one that's very hard for people to admit. However, all of us have some level of the victim. It's kind of like Eeyore. So Eeyore, mm -hmm. if we were to give um, him a saboteur, he probably has a very strong saboteur uh, victim. Yeah. And it's this idea that if I, if, if I have the woe is me attitude, people will pay attention to me. Or if, you know, I complain about what's going on, then I'll get some attention you may get attention. It's not the attention you want. So mm. the idea of victim um, is, again, one that's hard for people to admit to. We all have a little bit of an element of that. So that is a super brief overview of all Thank of the you. saboteurs. So then when we do exercises like you had us do before, like rub two fingers together ever so slightly. Yeah. How I does that, that work? To, I know. How does it that work really to change good. our... Well, it's an interesting because, I mean, you were really paying attention to yeah. how gently you're rubbing those fingers together. And you said, feel every ridge. And I was really trying to do that. So help us understand what's happening neurologically when we're doing these exercises in terms of uh, either distracting or quieting the saboteur and pulling forward those sage powers. How does that work? Absolutely. So um, when you very tune into a physical sensation, you're using a different part of your brain. Mm -hmm. When you were trying to attend to the ridges on your fingertips, you could not pay attention to your shopping list, your mm -hmm. anger about the dress mm -hmm. your daughter didn't, didn't wear, mm -hmm. because all of your focus was on that. And when we attend to that physical sensation, whether it's hearing or touch or visual, whatever it is, we are firing off different parts of our brain. This is very similar to pain too, because people that have chronic pain, all of these different parts of the brain, they have multiple, multiple jobs. And so say your memory and concentration part of your brain is really stuck in this place of the pain experience or saboteur driven um, activity, then mm -hmm. These are the clients who are late for appointments. These are the clients who forget appointments because their brain is stuck in this mode and we need to get it over to this mode. And so we do that. One way we do that is through the PQ reps. The PQ reps 
do have a similarity to meditation and mindfulness, and they are a more advanced form of meditation and mindfulness. The beauty, which you've experienced, is you can do them anywhere at any time. I was in a really tense Zoom meeting once, and I was I was doing PQ reps on somebody's hair or somebody's eyes because I didn't want to go into this freak out saboteur mode. And so you can use this in the moment. You don't need 20 minutes set aside Mm -hmm. on your yoga chair or anything like that. Right. I love that. So help us understand then in terms of, because, you know, we all a little bit old. I mean, I'm turning 50 (laughs) in two weeks. And I do have pain in my hips. So I, I think this is a real thing, like this yeah. pain. So help me understand how this then all relates to even pain management, because I'm sure some of our listeners out there actually have that experience. Is it tricking your brain away from the pain or help us understand how that works? My first question for you is when you said, oh, this pain in my hips is real. What does that mean? Hmm. That is a great question. So it's a long-term pain that I've been experiencing a long time, and I've tried a variety of different ways to heal, and that includes stretching. I went through a wide variety of actual physical therapies that included this thing called Graston, dry needling, acupuncture, compression therapy, medication in the form of something Mm -hmm. called lotus naltrexone, you know, rolling, massage gun all of the things. And I still feel as though I've overcome a lot of that. I feel like it's musculoskeletal. I don't know exactly what's going on in there. It's inflammation of some kind. I feel like I eat a pretty clean diet. So I've taken all these measures to alleviate this pain. And every now and then it still is there. And so Mm. I guess what I'm saying, what I, I don't know, maybe I'm interpreting what it is that you're saying is that, that perhaps there is some facet of pain that we're feeling that could potentially be a mental or a neurological misinterpretation is, I don't know. I'm just. How would either one of you define pain? And this is honest to God, I ask my clients this. So they're coming Mm. to me with a lot of pain. They know what it feels like. They know how it interferes with their life, but what is pain? How do we define pain? That's a hard one. Mm Mm-hmm discomfort yeah uh dis-ease mm-hmm. so discomfort inflammation i said inflammation i do believe that there could be some i feel like there's a source to pain there is some some something that is malfunctioning in some sense of the but word some within tissue is malfunctioning your body mm. yeah or my dad had serious back pain for a long time and it was just a narrowing of his spinal column that was pinching the nerves in his spinal cord and so when he had that cleaned out um it's called stenosis and that was mm. repaired then his pain was uh, was lifted and alleviated but it was the pinching of the nerves within his musculoskeletal structure that was creating that pain um, for him that was permeating through his legs and his hips. So have you ever had, um, nervous butterflies for a speech or a job interview? Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. That's actual discomfort, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is there something wrong with your stomach? I don't think so. Correct. (laughs) We can feel pain 
and have beautiful, healthy tissues. Now the opposite is also true. Have you ever noticed a bruise on your body and you had no idea where it came from? Sure. Often. Yes. All the time. (laughs) That is tissue damage, but no pain. Mm. So we have to get a little bit curious because sometimes pain and tissue damage go together. However, they are not the same thing. So it's easiest if I invite you guys to a little bit of the story. Can we do a story? Yes. Yes. All right. So you guys can take turns answering, both answer, whatever you want to do. If you were to step on a rusty nail, would you want to know? Yes. Yes. What I want to know is that was the question. Yeah. Would you want to know? I would want to know. Yes. Why would you want to know? Because I don't want to get locked jaw. <laughs> I want to <laughs> do what I got to do to can, not get locked jaw. can create infection. Yes. Yeah. And so how do you know? How do we get to the experience of pain in your foot? It sends a signal to your brain. Your brain says this hurts. And and then you react and respond to that neurological signal. Is that a fair statement? That's part of it. And did you notice that you said your brain says it hurts? Mm, I see where you are going. Where am I going? That the pain is in the brain. And the brain is telling you maybe it's not all the body. Let's keep going. You guys are okay. thinking. I see you thinking. On it. <laughs> okay. So we do not have pain nerves. We do not have pain sensors. What we have are danger sensors. Mm. And so when you step on a nail, the danger sensors take the information up to the brain. And then the brain has to do all sorts of processing based on the environment, based on your experiences, based on your beliefs around pain, based on what situation it is, you know, what you're in. And then it may create the experience of pain for you, or it might not. Let's talk about when it might not. So you are just walking in your driveway. You step on this rusty nail. We want you to know, right? So in that case, pain is good because it's going to protect you, correct? Right. Pain is protective. And sometimes it does too good a job. Just like Mm -hmm. these negative emotions from the saboteurs, they are information. Mm -hmm. We need to do something with it rather than sit there. You know, Mm -hmm. we wouldn't want our hand to be on a hot stove and leave it there while we figure out what to do. We -hmm. need to take action. So if we go back to this um, pain part, so um, the message goes up to your brain. We have 400 nerves and they're all connected like a crazy highway system. And again, they're just sending danger messages up to the brain. Let's take the same nail. Say that you are running away from a dog that got loose in your neighborhood and he has a reputation of biting people and you step on a nail. Are you going to feel it? Mm, Likely Mm. not. Not until later. Yeah. Correct. Because in that moment, your brain has a very important decision. Its job is to keep you alive. And so your survival There's a bigger threat from that dog chasing you than there is the nail in your foot. So then you get behind a gate or wherever you get to, then you will likely feel the nail in your foot because now your brain is like, okay, that threat is over. Let's make sure our tetanus is up to date and clean out the foot. Mm -hmm. So that is 
how they're different and your brain 100% of the time chooses whether or not you will feel pain and all pain is real. We have never, ever, ever, ever scanned fake pain. Mm. However, some people, the source of the pain may be more tissue driven or it may be more psychologically or social driven. We talk about something called a biopsychosocial model and all pain contains all three. The longer someone has been experiencing pain, it tends to be more sensitivity of the nervous system and Mm -hmm. less tissue driven, but we're all one system. So we have to consider all of these pieces. Mm -hmm. So another thing that happens with people who've had pain for a long, long time is an example is if you have an alarm on your house, you want that alarm to go off if a brick hits the window, right? Right. Yes. What if the sensitivity on your alarm is turned up and the alarm goes off when a leaf hits the window? (laughs) Too much. (laughs) Right. Too much. Yeah. Is your house okay? Yeah. Yes. So I ask my clients, can your body be okay? And we have to address the sensitivity of your alarm versus chasing a tissue, a muscle, a ligament, et cetera. Mm Mm-hmm. This is really resonating with me right now because I just finished a book by David Goggins. If any of you know David Goggins, the author who is an ultra athlete, and the name of this book is Never Finished. And he goes into some very explicit examples of how he pushes his body beyond what average people would consider normal thresholds of pain and intensity to the point where he's running on broken legs and, you know, knees that are really bone on bone. He's running 240 miles at a time um, in extreme um, conditions. And so what I hear you saying is that he has turned the alarm system down on his body through mental conditioning to allow this threshold to be lowered so that his body, he can mentally move through that pain in a unique way. And many of the rest of us feel that in a different way because our sensors are up at a higher level is what you're saying. That's a piece of it. Pain is so, so complex. And there are four super duper well-researched pillars to help people with pain. And then we have the PLUS program, which is another 22 other options. And all of these are evidence-based. So the four most important ones are pain neuroscience education. We have functional MRIs, real-time MRIs. We have somebody, they have pain. We give them pain education. We do another scan and their pain comes down dramatically. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Understanding pain is so critical, just like understanding how the saboteurs interfere with your life is critical before you can do anything about it. And think about it. You've been dealing with pain for years and years and years and years. And yet the definition of pain was something that was hard to come up with. And now now that you have that piece, now you have something to build on. So then our next one is exercise. If you're only going to pick two, It's exercise and pain neuroscience education. Exercise is so well-researched because 
we know that movement actually calms the nerves down and the nerves need space. That's what happened with your dad's surgery is that they were able to create space for the nerve. It's like a string through a straw. Your dad's narrowing caused pressure on the nerve. It wasn't the stenosis so much as the pressure on the nerve Mm -hmm. freed that up and that nerve was happy to move again. Mm-hmm. So space movement and blood flow. And I also love the fact that our brain harnesses the most powerful pain medication in the entire world. They've also researched this. And in fact, if you run six miles, this is the research. I'm not recommending this, but you can generate the <laughs> equivalent <you>. of <laughs> nice 10 milligrams of morphine with a six mile run. That's a standard dose of morphine that your brain makes all on its own. So that's pretty cool. Proverbial runner's high, I suppose. Oh man. Yes, exactly. And so exercise is a super important part for people with chronic pain. And it's also something they fear. So working with them on that is important. Mm -hmm. And then we have sleep. Sleep is not a luxury. And Mm. while sleep and pain are bi-directional, It's actually, the research is a little bit stronger that poor sleep contributes to pain more than pain contributing to poor sleep. So sleep is critical for everyone. And then the final one is having goals. So if our clients, my clients don't have goals or an idea of where they're going to, that's just a hamster on a wheel. If we Uh need someplace to go in order to be motivated to follow through on whatever program is established. Wow. Super fascinating to me, Jen. I'm totally geeking out over here. (laughs) So help me understand then, practically speaking, let's talk about how our listener, who is someone who might be feeling, maybe it's a, a physical pain, but more maybe even a mental pain where we're feeling stuck in life. We don't know where we want to go. Maybe those saboteurs are spinning in our heads. What can we practically do one thing to get out of this pain that we're feeling of being stuck mm-hmm. to move forward and gain a little bit of momentum in our lives? Hmm. One thing is to understand the complexity of pain. And that one thing might be different for each of your listeners. Yeah. And we don't like to say physical pain or mental pain because all pain, all pain has both a physical and an emotional component. Mm -hmm. So an example might be if you sprain your ankle at a job you hate, your boss is abusive, you are trying to figure out how to quit, you are likely going to have much more pain than you sprain your ankle on your honeymoon, on your dream vacation. Because influences pain, our social setting influences pain. There's so many different variables. So for your listeners, getting a little bit curious about learning about pain and then understanding that pain does not mean tissue damage. Mm. And this is where the work of the mental fitness comes in because that ticker tape is fierce. It's fierce for those in pain. It's fierce for a lot of us in our life, but trying to work through and get that ticker tape to calm and get shifted more to that right side, then this opens up the opportunities for everything else to fall in place as well. 
I love that. And I wonder, like, is there this connection between this kind of pain anxiety spin? Yes. Where you feel this pain, you get anxiety, anxiety contributes to more pain. Like me, it's like, oh my gosh, surely it's because, you know, I have cancer of the meniscus, (laughs) you know, (laughs) whatever I'm going to make up in that moment when I'm feeling said random pain. And then it creates this spin and this churn. Well, I had a client just today. So based exactly on what you're saying is I had seen her maybe seven or eight years ago. She was really struggling with chronic pain. And mm-hmm. she called me a week ago and she's like, you helped me so much then. I've developed this symptom. I want to get out ahead of it. Can you see me? And I said, yes, of course I can see you. So she came in today, an absolute mess. And in this short week, she can recognize it. She can realize that she's had this emotional spin of anxiety and worry. And now her symptoms are already progressing. And I was able to ask her today, you know, do you believe that your tissues and the structures are okay? And she does. And so for her, there's going to be more of a focus on the mental fitness piece. Yeah. As well as mantras. I'm a big fan of mantras. I have mm-hmm. mantras all over my mirror. What can you put into your system that's going to provide safety? So one example for you, um, Trinity might be based on what you said about cancer of the meniscus, which that's, that's a new one. <laughs> all of my, all of my ailments are new. Right? Okay, excellent. <laughs> what, is a, what is a quick phrase you could tell yourself instead Oh, do you want to hear my mantra? Yeah. I am health. Every cell in my body is filled to overflowing with youthful, vibrant life force energy. My body heals itself quickly and easily. I love that. Do you use that? Every single time. Beautiful. Beautiful. Does it help? It does. Like I have to talk myself and walk myself through this and I have to picture it. And sometimes I will go into the every cell and like picture it just being filled to overflowing with all of the things and, you know, spend a little time tripping out there. And then, yeah, I'm eventually normally able to bring myself back down. And then she's healed. And then I'm healed. I'm like, my is not going to walk Jesus. Thank you. Yeah, that's great. So I have clients use mantras all the time. Some that we like um, in PT, uh, sore but safe, hurt Mm. doesn't equal harm. My favorite is motion is lotion. I'm always trying to get- Oh, I like that. that. So yeah, there's all sorts of things. Add in the ocean. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's a good one. Yeah. Awesome. Jen, this this is- been a very cool conversation. I have learned so much. Thank you for being here today. And if our listener wanted to find you, where could she find you? And we know that you also have a program that you're running soon. Yes. So I have two websites. My physical therapy website is 180therapyandwellness.com. And then I have another website, which is iriseforme.com, I-R-I-S-E for me. And that is where I have, um, I have courses on divorce mediation, but this is also where the mental fitness is housed. And what the mental fitness looks like is a seven-week app-driven program. 
and there are drops. It'll drop um, lessons and reminders for the PQ reps several times a day. And then there are videos that are released on Saturdays, about an hour, give or take. And then once a week, there is a group coaching meeting with myself. And so it is exciting. I run about five to six a year. If you happen to have a group of four or five people that all want to do it together, we can choose separate dates. And then I'd like to offer your listeners 20% off if they're interested in pursuing that. And the um, coupon code, hopefully you can write it somewhere, Dear Midlife 20 and 20% off. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jen. This is super, I'm really excited about this. I, and I also heard you say the mediation advice as well. So I think that obviously is, is, I think, honestly, having been through, (laughs) I think a comparable divorce to what I hear you talking about (laughs) is, is relevant as well to us women in midlife. So perfect. And what I've done there in 10 seconds or less is I've taken pain science and lifestyle medicine and coaching and mental fitness and packaged it to help people prepare and really show up confident, calm, and grounded for divorce mediation. Oh my gosh. I love this. I have a girlfriend that I have in mind right now that I will send your way. Anyway, well, Jen, thank you again for being here. It's just been a lovely conversation. I'm so glad. It's really fun when people want to participate and learn. So thank you for geeking out with me. Yes. (laughs) Well, hopefully we can do it again some other time because I feel like there's so much more that we can dive into here. Totally on board with that. Oh my goodness. Today's episode was epic. I mean... I learned so much about brain neuroscience. Literally, my mind is blown right now. And so let's just quickly recount some of the key takeaways that Jen left us with in this episode. Number one, the right side of our brain contains our sage powers. And the left side of our brain contains these saboteurs. The saboteurs are your greatest strengths, but in an over-exaggerated state. And we can use what Jen calls PQ exercises to calm those saboteurs and to move our brain back into this space of sage power. Two, when your nervous system is activated and your anger and frustration is rising, imagine the other person is a child that you're speaking to. Have the conversation with the other party from this place of recognition that, you know, they're just doing the best that they can with what they know and meet them there with compassion. Three, play the yes and game. One of my personal favorites as an improv comedian, it's a way to generate creative ideas and solutions. Always look for at least 10% of the truth in what the other party is saying and then use that and build upon it. When you do that, you can brainstorm on creative ideas and nothing is too outrageous because in that space, that's where you can find new and exciting opportunities. Four, all pain is real, but your brain can choose and or prioritize when and how you feel the pain. Pain can also be located in the tissues and can be psychological and is defined with a biopsychosocial model. But... The thing about we have about this we have to remember is that we're all one system and pain lives and is contained in all three of these mechanisms. Five, 
Exercise is one of the most important ways to alleviate pain. It calms the nerves, it keeps your body moving and stretched. And you know, honestly, it's been my personal experience that when I am exercising and I gain physical strength, you know, maybe in my core or my muscles, it does in fact actually alleviate pain because my body is stronger and more capable of managing it. You know, if you're finding yourself in these big life transitions, you're not alone. We are all trying to figure this shit out and how to navigate this messy middle. You know, Trinity and I are on this journey with you. Please leave us a review and let us know how this content is resonating with you and helping you to navigate this crazy time in life. Make sure you click that follow button in the podcast because that's the way that we can stay connected and you'll never miss an episode. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram and know that we're in this with you together. And we can't wait to meet you right here next week in the middle.